Hey, what is up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by the incredible sponsors of the program, ChemicalFreeBody.com. If health and wellness is a priority for you, then check out the incredible products over at ChemicalFreeBody. Plant-based nutritional supplements from Super Greens, my favorite, with all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and micronutrients in just one single scoop. Toss it in your glass of water, your shake, your smoothie, however you want to do it. They also have other incredible products, gut detoxers, anti-inflammatories, immune boosters, and so much more. ChemicalFreeBody.com and check out that promo code, it's me, all one word, it's me for discounts at your checkout. And look, we have so many different insurance policies in our life. And if the last couple years has taught you anything, it taught me that storable food needs to be on that list. Prepare with itsme.com, the incredible products over at My Patriot Supply. They have four-week supply of food, three-month supply, all products with up to a 25-year shelf life. Have the peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen, of having storable food and have that supply on deck. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And uh, if you have, you know, shaving needs like nice chrome domes like me, SkullShaver.com is a whole new concept in face and head shaving. The products offered over there include men's head shavers, face shavers, hair clippers, and trimmers. And ladies, we haven't forgot about you with the butterfly kiss. And we also have a large selection of accessories to make your life that much more simple. All of the shavers come with uh, removable, washable blades made of premium Japanese stainless steel to ensure flawless results. It just makes it so much easier. You can get your shaving done anytime, anywhere, in or out of the shower. It gets no better. Skullshaver.com, front slash discount, front slash it's me. All of the links to these incredible products will be in the description of this episode. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of It's Me Speaking to You. I am, as always, your ever-faithful host, Mr. Jeffrey Wilson, coming to you live and direct from the gateway to the west, St. Louis, Missouri. And today, we have a hero of mine, ladies and gentlemen, an icon in the world of dance. We know him as a part of one of the most iconic breaking urban uh, hip-hop films, the movie called Breakin'. He was one of the stars. Michael Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers is about to come and blow our minds about how he got into the dance world, where it's going. Mr. Chambers, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very fine. I'm, I just want to just take this moment before we get ahead of ourselves to thank you for reaching out for me to be a part of your uh, your forum, uh, Jeffrey. And uh, just, just to let people know, I appreciate radio stations, events promoters, TV stations, casting people, everybody who is on the mission of really showing a respectability for the art form of hip-hop dance, meaning hip-hop dance has many facets. The freestyle dance, they come, you know, you can go from crumping to seawalk to do the nay-nay. Hey, watch me, nay-nay, it's Atlanta. And the thing is, all those great, great dance moves and, you know, they get the, the party people going. They come from the urban streets. That's their dojo. That's their, 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 their school, their academy. A lot of people that come up with those dance styles, all they have is their heart and their talent. So I commend you and your station, everybody who sees the goodness that inner city children are trying to to do in 
rising above the violence and poverty or whatever their whatever their social circle, whatever they're going through, mm-hmm. to be able to be in hip hop. Hip hop people, the elements of hip hop are graffiti, scratching, rapping, DJing, and then dancing. And the thing is, sometimes that's all somebody has is their talent. I think Nas said, all I need is one mic. Mm-hmm, one the mic. thing is, you, exactly. So I remember back in the day, you know, when they had the 60s movement, they used to have a saying, you know, you, you know 40 acres and a mule. Well, for me, I think this new generation of inner city intellectuals, because there's a lot of very business savvy children out there. I mean, this is like, come on, the millennium and, you know, everybody has their iPhones and their laser disc and their, their smart, <laughs> laser you know, disc. Their smart yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they have, every, everything's very techno, okay? So technology has moved into the ghetto or the hood, okay? Well, okay. So now that everybody's on MySpace, Internet, you know, Twitter, Instagram. Now they need jobs and they need opportunities. So this is a very – I'm just kind of opening up the door to let people who are listening understand. This is not just about my films or one person, but the country and the world is changing. We're going into a new presidency uh, on a global scale, we're localizing this to this interview because individually, in the just in the genre of hip hop, we're all changing. And hopefully, at the end of this interview, we'll put it in the mindset that we all need to change for the better. Hip hop is always united, and that's why I'm glad to do this interview because I'm coming from by way of California sure. and a world season connoisseur of the arts to bring love, peace, and and respect to everyone who's listening and let them know that our hip-hop that, that, that we're promoting is a universal unity amongst people who are just trying to get by, period. Well, and you were a part of, you know, of that film, obviously, that transcended you know, just movies. It really just uh, it reverberated throughout the culture and helped start the culture, and we're still seeing it today reverberating. Um, and you're absolutely right because you see that movie back then. It wasn't you know a racial issue or even you know a sexual orientation issue. It was very much so a one love <clears throat> type theme. And I definitely you know appreciate you um, lamenting that because that's definitely something we need more in the world. Um, not to not again not to talk about yourself too much, but I mean, man, you you're you're not only just an icon because of this movie, my friend. You're you're pretty much noted for teaching Michael Jackson, uh, the King of Pop, a lot of his pop lock dance moves, the moonwalk. If you don't mind, uh, talk about a little bit of your time with Michael and how you got to know him and how your impact, because uh, you see it in his dance moves. Like clearly, that that pop lock stuff is yours. Well, Jeffrey, uh, here's the deal. Before the movie, which, you know, I mean, I, I just keep re, be uh, my childhood, my teenage years, they keep being reissued in each technology, meaning when the films were originally, you know, released, they were, you know, that was when we had VHS and, mm-hmm. you know, on and select TV back when, you know, back in the day. And then, 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 then we went to DVD. And now, most recently, they, they, they got released on Blu-ray. So when my films and my body of work from 1984 got re-released in different formats, 
The only thing that's different that people don't get, when my films were released, they pigeonholed me as a 16-year-old kid on Venice Beach. And in a time frame, back in the 80s when we were kind of like new wave kind of black seeking kind of yuppies. I mean, <laughs> if you look at if you look at what we were if you look at the images of my wardrobe, I was like a hip version of Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds, the movie with John, you know, the the, the um Yeah, yeah. Re, re, okay. Those guys were technical. They, those were technical techno geeks. Okay, and they they dabbled into break dancing and popping, but we were really technical we were techno hip hop street kind of geeks. And I think it was totally different than Revenge of the Nerds because we were the real deal. We were not like faking the funk. Right. What we represented, a lot of people didn't know unless you came to California. If somebody came to California in the eighties, you would have gone to a gym and you would have seen an instructor with leg warmers and a bandana because Richard Simmons, Olivia Newton-John, Jane Fonda, everybody in Cali that made millions of dollars in exercise DVDs and in studio, you know, in that forum, everybody kind of like pretty much adapted to the end thing. That's what Hollywood and Cali is about. If it's hot, that's what you go to. So we were we were not riding on 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 on, on subway trains because we're not New York. Not that that's bad. But I think what happened, and I'll just use a quote from Ghostbusters, don't cross the streams. When yeah. hip-hop came out, no, it's very true. I, I when use it often. <laughs> when hip-hop became a global moniker, people started looking at images and thinking, okay, well, this is hip-hop. Well, I'm nothing. Turbo and Ozone and Breaking, the Breaking franchise, is nothing compared to the rap music or to any other separate entity in hip hop. Hip hop is a kind of like smorgasbord of all these different nationalities and different walks of life interpreting inner city life. And that's what the hip hop elements are. You got you got people right now, let's say Pet Bull. He's got a Miami by just give me the, I mean, he's like, I write the right. I mean, the, the pit, pit, pit bull, he has that Miami sound, you know, I know you want me. And it's very Latino, but he's kind of like your Ocean's Eleven kind of Latino hip hop guy. And then you got Wiz Khalifa and the game and. Then you got then you got the weekend and you got Bruno Mars and you got you you you, you, you know you got um even Angie Stone she's hip hop but she's so hip hop so my thing is hip hop keeps evolving and changing because there's different people that interpret it our time when the movie Breaking and Electric Boogaloo came out we were honored to be able to have jobs to represent the underground hip-hop from the West Coast. The West Coast was not just Los Angeles. I'm talking for Richmond, uh, I mean, uh, Fillmore, San Francisco, the Bay Area, all the way down to San Diego. What hip-hop was on the West Coast had many dimensions. Let's just take, for instance, the people who came from the West Coast. 
Egyptian lover, Uncle mm-hmm. Jam's army, Soul Train, Dr. Dre, and Snoop Dogg, just those people, they're all different. They are all different. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, they are all different than Egyptian Lover and and and, and um, the Wrecking Crew and and and, and George Clinton and the Funkster the Funksters. My hip hop before the man behind Turbo is on this interview. Mm-hmm. People don't really know what I had to do to become the character Turbo and what I've done after him. The thing is, I was like a hip-hop version of Bruce Lee, meaning Bruce Lee in martial arts, he said, I don't really have a style. I have a concept. But he grabbed this style and that style and this style, and it became one style, and they called it Jeet Kune Do. But hmm. even in his books, Bruce Lee said, look, this is just a philosophy, but adapt and make your own way. So Bruce Lee never said, I'm just Kung Fu. I'm just, he right. just said, I am. It's very true. So with dance, I learned everything that I could. Jazz, tap, ballet, everything. And I just said, I am. But I didn't really say it. I said, you know, actually, I documented in 1990. My style, I called it liquid animation. If you really look at what I'm saying... Liquid animation, when I go into the smooth transition where my body kind of like gels and I'm like really melting, that's the liquid part where you're like, ooh, you're like oozing. But the animation is when I go into the the claymation, the robotic thing. Now I'm real gothic, like Ray Harry out. That's what something I found interesting. One of your influences was was claymation. I found that fantastic. It, It was interesting. Well, Thank you, but my point is this. I was always on like a scientific journey of the anatomy behind dance. And the thing is, to be able to dance, you got to move your endoskeleton. So I was always looking for, I was always looking for, okay, how can I move better? So I really, I really love Stevie Wonder because my mother and father, you know, they both had different catalogs of music. And growing up in the 70s, you know, you had disco, you know, Led Zeppelin, the Halen, the Who, the Doors, the Beatniks, the Flower Children. Okay. So for me, I had a very diverse upbringing with music and the culture and the Beatniks and the hippies and all. So in the 70s, when Parliament came out and Funkadelic and Jimi Hendrix and Sly and Stone, uh, Sly and Family Stone and all these images were coming the minute it became the music with electronic and real heavy synth- synthesizer, um, that's when I started like really getting into science fiction. And I think most people who spent time watching television in the 70s, they can vouch for this. By the time I mastered my style, then I joined the union, Screen Actors Guild and Af- Actors Federation for Television and radio artists, which now they're a merger, SAG and After are together. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when I joined that union, I was far from an extra or some background player. Mm-hmm. The thing is, now, 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 now I was establishing myself as somebody to be reckoned with in the entertainment business. And the thing is, I grabbed anything and everything that was going to further, 
you know, the stature of my style, and I did it. The thing is, back then, when I started doing music videos, my first music video was Lionel Richie's All Night Long. Remember that one? Second was Shaka Khan. Second was Shaka Khan, I Feel For You. Third was the Gap Bounds Party Train video. I think the fourth one was uh, Stacy Q. Stacy Q's I'm Gonna Give You All My Love. And the list goes on. The thing is, I had I had a pretty heavy-duty crash course in the business as a dancer because all those artists that I mentioned, Shaka Khan, Lana Richie, they all won awards those years, and I was featured in their videos. Mm -hmm. So I was actually riding on the coattails of greatness Absolutely. before I went into the movie Breaking. It's very true. So it would make sense. It makes all the sense in the world for anybody that cares because a lot of people, you know, if it's not in black and white or there's suspicion, they don't care about nothing. But you know what? I can't vouch for ignorance. The truth is there. The thing is, I was on a nine-month world tour with Lionel Richie. Not only did I do his video, which won awards, but for those people who don't know, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson, they wrote, we are the world. They wrote the song. For them to write the song, they had to have been spending time together. So the point is, I was on tour as a dancer with Lana Ritchie, and Lana Ritchie was not a dancer, but Michael Jackson was. At the end of that tour, Lana goes, hey, man, you got to get with this guy. <laughs> you got to see this guy. He's like a little Jackie Wilson. Hmm. Michael's like, ugh. He's all, ugh. This is going to be a long journey because the thing is, I was already a master at the art of freestyle dance. He looked at soul training. He looked at certain people through the years, and maybe it got this move and that move. You got to remember something. We're talking about, I got with Michael Jackson before he got into heavy industry and theatrical training, meaning Michael Jackson just did the choreography that his brothers did under the umbrella of Motown before I met him. Meaning when I got with Michael Jackson, he was still doing Susan DePass, whatever Susan DePass from Motown, whatever she, she told the choreographers to teach the Jacksons. That's why the Jackson brothers knew their choreography. ABC, they had mm. the same moves in the 70s. It's very true. And then Michael would break off, do his little spins. It was always the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when, it's very true. When I got with him, I taught him how to solo dance, but not, not like James Brown and Jackie Wilson. That was the 70s and the 60s when he grew up. I hipped him to the way I was solo dancing because I was the new solo guy on the on the map. You follow me? Oh, yeah. So the thing is, it's almost like, look, put it like this. Every There's not a lot of people who know who Jet Li is. Everybody looked at Jackie Chan and everybody looked at Bruce Lee and said, wow, these two Chinese guys are off the chain. But Jet Li was, and he's very under the radar. Now, if somebody had... Jet Li got into film, but if somebody got with a Shaolin master and they were just training underground, they would become a master, wouldn't they? So my point being, 
I was already a master at my art. And age had no bearing. Michael knew that. So I was training him to be the best freestyle dancer he could be. And I accomplished it. (laughs) Because I didn't just show him one move. I showed him the art and the style. That's almost like, okay, somebody goes, man, I got slapped by my neighbor. I got jumped by some... I need... I need to learn how to fight. <laughs> so they're like, okay, I got to go to a karate school. Well, <laughs> you can go to karate school, and there's a couple of students that beat you up in the school, and then the teacher slaps you, and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Teacher's all, you got to learn how to protect yourself. So eventually, after years of paying dues and getting beat up, you get a black belt. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of pain. Here comes the pain. There's a lot of pain that comes with that belt, but at least you got a belt. So my point is this, and I have to laugh. This is funny. Michael Jackson, when you when you say you teach somebody, the teacher has to teach the student and see what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Michael Jackson's style, when he just solo danced without choreography, I accomplished what I what what our sessions were. My my main mission was to teach Mr. Je- Michael Joseph Jackson how to hold his own without any choreography, and I did it. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, he always knew jazz and tap and all this because he's always done talk choreography. Mm-hmm. But a soloist is a lot greater than a chorus line. Because every great soloist, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Bob Fosse, and the list goes on, became great and they held their own without a whole bunch of people. Michael Jackson was always trying to be the best him. If he wasn't, then he would have still just been the Jackson Five. Right. But it was not it's very true. So not only did he try to excel in his music as a soloist, but when he came to me, he knew exactly what he wanted. I want to excel his dance. And the thing is, in the 80s, break he was so smart. Breakdancing, Flashdance, our movies was getting like huge millions of followers around the world. Well, we didn't have the money that Michael had. So the thing is, when he sang his songs, the songs were there, but when he performed, it was over. See, because now now he became the poster child for dance without even saying it. When that man went on stage and he, he did a video, he, he made sure to do a little jazz, a little tap, and a lot of our art form so that breakdancers and poppers would have jobs. If people couldn't afford Michael Jackson, like, I want somebody that looks like him. I want to, I, I want that moonwalk. I want I want I want more. So he opened up a lot of doors, and I'm I'm just glad that I was a part of it, and I wasn't a whistleblower at the time. Nine times out of ten, when people do stuff for people, you know, they toot their horn, and it really comes from a place of ego. Well, things started coming out as far as my contribution to Michael when he passed away. Which for me it carries more merit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, 
when a celebrity gets real popular or the machine is going, oh, yeah, I got a lawsuit or I'm going to get this lawyer because I did this because I did this. Right. Okay, that's fine and dandy. Maybe it's true, but if that person was good to you, why do you have to bring them down and shame them? For me, Michael Jackson, when he was alive, we knew what we knew. But I wasn't, you know what? I'm not that rich, but I have a lot of heart. Right. I was not going to go, I'm not on file as one of the guys that made a lawsuit against the Jacksons and did this or whatever. Sure. I'm not, I'm, there's no record that says I ever, ever came up against that inter- enterprise. And the thing is, the appropriate time when I chose to discuss, disclose and discuss these matters pertaining to Mr pertaining to Mr. Jackson was after he passed away. See, because when he passed away, now a whole new generation of people were like, oh, Michael Jackson, he's a pedophile. They, It's like he has new accusers. Yeah. Forget his talent. Forget all the greatness. That guy's a pervert. And the thing is, that kills me because there's people in, 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 in government office positions and, and, and civil offices and they've done a lot for community and taxes or whatever. And something may have happened that have been a misunderstanding, but the public will crucify them. Well, no. Right. Yeah, I heard from somebody that, you know, that this person, you know what I'm saying? It's easy to believe it's the negative stuff. The and then that winds up, like you said, defining the legacy as opposed to the music. Yes. I look at, look, let's look at police officers. Just because... The situation happened with Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. That does not affect people that are allowed to have registered guns and that fear for their safety. I mean, in my eyes, that was an incident. We weren't there. Something happened. But they just keep crucifying the situation. But look, on the flip side, the Rodney King thing, everybody's like, oh, man, no police. Oh, man, Simi Valley. Man, Simi Valley is a bunch of cowboys and ranchers and people who are like kind of like retired they're not racist i mean they just like are just different than the city but when ronnie king got beat up the whole man the police hate black people and then they started to riot and a lot of people lost their lives and a lot of those officers lost jobs and their reputation well check this out at the end of all that crap the poor guy ended up passing away dead in 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 a pool and he squandered his millions of money his millions of dollars on recording studios and his lifestyle my my whole thing is this for everybody that points a finger there's probably three pointing back at you absolutely so a lot of people will pull the race card and say oh man see this case because it's got a lot of attention everybody's tuning in and they'll say okay well you know the police but guess what Unless they have the facts, unless they are are the judge and the jury, nobody will know. So for me, well, in the case of Rodney King, it was a little different. It was on video, and I mean, it was pretty pretty clear that they exceeded their mandate as far as restraining. Yeah, no, they don't know. There's no, 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 no. Please don't get me wrong. They did. They were very passionate about really beating that man. But what I heard was he was not going down because he was. He was high as a kite on PCB. Uh, yeah. And as big as that man was, 
those guys were fearing for their lives because he kept getting up. The thing is, if somebody says stay down and they've already tased you, you stay down. But if you're on PCP, there's people right now, there's people right now, there's a drug right now where there's people that are cannibals. They'll, they'll eat your face. The flocker yeah, or whatever some it is. Substance, I don't know, but my point is this. I think a lot of those police officers, they're family men just like me and you. And the thing is, they got to make decisions so they can go home. I understand. But they're yeah. dealing tough, with probably gig, people sure. under the influence, people who are under the influence and maybe demon possessed. The thing is, you got I'm like this, man. I, I would just put myself in their shoes. If somebody's trying to reach for my eyeballs and snatch my face off and bite my ears or kill me, and I've got some something on me to restrain them, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. And the thing is, I think that I think that 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 whole Rodney King case got very distorted because he got pulled over for a reason. But when they realized how big that guy was and he was. He was not going down and not compliant. I think they called for a lot of backup to take a giant down, and the giant wasn't going down because the giant was on PCP, and the giant was going to bring the pain. So let's get off that because guess what? He's not here, (laughs) but yet we still have this blaming of he said, she said. My whole thing, back to hip-hop, there's still people that are blaming me and Ozone for the problems in hip-hop. There's gangster hip-hop people, and there's people who want to keep it dirty and the shooting and the Tupac and the nasty hip-hop. They call us sellouts. We're like, oh, breaking all oh, those are a bunch of busters. Those guys are like little wannabe geek. They don't represent well, hip-hop. Well, it's not like you were, you were executives at Canon or Golan Globus who actually, you know, made the movie. It's not like, you know, you Yeah, were... but we, we, you know, we get dumped on, you know, and the thing is, like I, I, I think, said, I, it, Sorry to interrupt. I think it's because around that same time, and you don't have to compare contrast if you don't want to, but you know, Beat Street came out at the exact same time. It was East West. It was that was supposed to be the more authentic hip hop, and you guys was a little bit more kind of wholesome. I mean, it's I I love both movies, obviously, but do you think it's because there was that direct comparison to you know the other New York you know hip hop version of of Breaking and all that? You know what I think. What happened was. It's almost like okay, let, let let's just use food as as an example. If you got if you got two two gourmet dinners from different chefs presented, let's say we have soul food, Creole, African American food, and you got Italian food, they're totally different. Or let's even go further, Chinese food. So if you got okay, this chef that says I'm gonna give you mugu gaipan, mushu. You know, um, fried noodles, egg noodle, uh, uh, you know, rice, uh, cadereta, and they, you, you have like this Asianic kind of plate. And then you got soul food. I think it's up to the individual that tastes it to make the decision. True. And what happens is there's going to be peace. There's going to be people who don't like soul food. I want the Asian stuff. I don't like it. And there's going to be people who love the, you know, vice versa. My point is this. When when Beat Street and our films came out, people that liked hip-hop, they said, you know what? California doesn't, I'm not feeling California. 
But I like New York. I, I, I want to wear gazelles. I want to wear the heavy jacket. I want to wear sweats and pumas. I want to wear gold chains. I want to go, yo, man, what's up? I want to get in your face. I don't want to be soft, you know. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to push a broom. I don't want to dance with some girl named Kelly. I just want to, like, like be, like, rough and right. very cool, man, and ride on some trains and blast a, bust a cat. The thing is, it's very true. When hip-hop got introduced to the world, somebody served up hip-hop on two platters. California, we got the beach and the, you know, the wave consciousness. Surfers, buddy, you know, mm. the valley, you know, we're styling. <laughs> California's always vain, dude. Come on, man. Of course. The Hollywood, dude. Yeah. We got the swagger, buddy. And the thing is, New York, the only swagger in New York really is Broadway or Wall Street. So <laughs> it's very true. New York has swagger. If you don't make it on Broadway, you better make it in Wall Street. If you don't, you don't have swagger. It isn't. If you got swagger, if you make it on Wall Street, you're in the Hamptons or you got a nice brownstone. If you're on Broadway, now you're the coolest person at all the clubs because you're in a production and you can get your friends in free and see some celebrities. It's very true. <laughs> in Hollywood, you got swagger if you are really a working actor and your family lives in a well-to-do area, you know, that can help support your acting career until you, like, make millions. It's just a different swagger. So I think we all in Cali got hated on um, because we, you know, we two black guys, you know, we had a white chick. We're by the beach in Venice I'm sweeping, but I made sweeping look cool, you know. Now now I'm thinking of my girlfriend. Now I'm on the ceiling. You know? right. People are like, this is like, I, I hate this guy. And then, and then we didn't dress like, I mean, our stuff wasn't from the Goodwill. We had like really serious bling on, you know, leather jackets under a bridge in East L.A. Yeah. We went into these really serious Broadway productions, all these races, you know, all getting along in harmony, you know. And people are like, nah, this can't happen. Somebody's got to be pimping or selling drugs or blast somebody. But no, it wasn't It wasn't the 90s movies, Boys in the Hood, right. you know, the Menaces. It was nothing like the films that portrayed L.A. as this really rough, rough, like, like hard-to-live-in area. People come from all over the world to California to get the American dream, and it's there. There's just a, there's just stereotypes out there that have scared people away. So I'm, you know, our movies never won an Oscar, but I like the merit in it. Yeah, we were an international film. We showed every nationally, every nationality coming together in harmony and peace and love. And the thing is, those those images are still resonating, you know. So that brings me up to now, thirty which, plus you know, years I just later. Absolutely. Let, I wanted to let you know this is a wonderful change of times. We are on the brink of pro possibly having a female president, and beyond the presidency, you know, and I mean the debates, okay, but that is like a global issue. Sure. On a localized level. The racial tension that's happening in the communities around the world, people are against Muslims and they still haven't after the the, the the wars with you know you know that particular region area, the thing is I think a lot of people 
misinterpret Sikhs, Muslims, you know, people that are passionate about their faith and they have like different religious practices that people aren't used to. I think there's a fear aspect in religion. So people automatically have to blog or so, you know, they justify hate. Well, that's a human then, nature thing. You fear what you don't, what you understand, you know, you misunderstand. That's pretty, pretty common. Amen to, to that. It. See, see, I love what you said because some people, they don't realize that some of their, the way that they're acting, it's a human trait that we have to fight against. See, or else we're going to repeat history. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes, sometimes people, and many wars, when they were evaluated, were just kind of like they, they, they could have been a lot better. But once the military said, I'm going to go and do this, some of those soldiers said, I'm as afraid as hell. I got to do my thing. I, it, this is for my land. You know, I got to do it. So in that, in that sense, I think we all need to reevaluate this fear aspect and everybody needs to earn respect before you get trust. Meaning, right now, like with the police issue and, and the citizens, I really think that the citizens need to earn merit with the police, and the police need to, to feel that the citizens are not going to hurt them, and there will be some sort of mediation. Because the, 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 the tension is just too great. As far as the racial issue... You know, with the blacks and the other people who are passionate about the politics. I just think that everybody that has a neighbor of different color, they just need to just kind of like introduce themselves and let it, and each state let each race know, you don't have to fear me because eventually I'll be your brother, but just allow me to show myself. Right. Well, divide and conquer, you're right, is in full effect. Yeah. They're wearing each other's throat, and like you said, racially, ethnically, religiously, it's it's pretty bad right yeah. now. It's, it's sad to see. Well, But you know what we, uh, Jeffrey, yeah. I think if we, you know, through dance and music, and it all ties in with the films, I think the directors of my films, Breaking and Electric Boogaloo, they were from Israel. Mm-hmm. Shalom. Hava Nagila. <laughs> they, 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 they looked at break dancing and, and what the inner city kids were doing. They were like, look at these guys. They're not shooting. They're loving each other. So they took a chance on making a film. And it's it's a dream because I mean right now there's a lot of races that are at war. But well, I mean, kudos, you like you said, kudos film, to them, and you can't really overlook that statement. Kudos to the you know Gold Cannon and Golden Globus for taking a risk. Yeah. I mean, now we know breaking is a huge commodity, but they took a risk on a very unestablished commodity at that point. Yeah, and it definitely paid off. Exactly. And you know what? I think. Well, I not think, but I I I spent time with a lot of the people on the production. A lot of those people, they were from Israel. They were, I mean, a lot of Israelis are people of faith, meaning they believe in the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures. Actually, the Christians have been getting a bad rap. Christians, Christians respect a lot of other religions. They will, they, if it's in the Bible and if it's correct, then, then you got a friend and they will definitely back you up. But a lot of Christians will defend what the meaning of those proverbs and the Bibles are. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I was fortunate enough to do two films with an all Israeli production. So they just pretty much came from Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, and so a lot of the, the a lot of the cast, 
I mean, a lot of the production people, they were really hardcore and very religious. So I was very honored, bro, because at the end of the day, that movie was an interpretation of how Europeans, people from overseas, seen the inner city kids dancing, and it was a fantasy. And that's really cool because I think... I think right now a lot of young kids are dancing and oh, yeah. they're looking at, you know, some of the reality shows. Some of the reality shows are promoting a lifestyle that's not really, really constructive for for, for families. Well, and breaking two. When it comes it, to dance. It, it, it breaking two doesn't kind of get the, as much kudos as breaking, but I mean, again, it was very fortuitous on their part because they were talking about the same thing that's going on everywhere, gentrification in different inner city neighborhoods. That's what was going on. They wanted to develop a supermarket or whatever and knock down uh, Miracles, inner city program, which happens and did happen all throughout the 80s. I love what you, I love what you brought up because not that long ago, our mayor, Gil Garcetti, Eric Garcetti, I'm sorry, yeah. our mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, he had to literally just, I mean, you gotta, you got to really understand the tone. Los Angeles was under attack by a plague with citizens and police. People just said, okay, you know what, after the Trayvon Martin thing, you know, police are, are, are just bad people. Well, through all that stuff, Eric, who doesn't carry a gun, he's the mayor, right? He's like, okay, I need to do something. Big kudos to our mayor. This guy, he goes to the neighborhood. <laughs> he goes out there to the neighborhood to try to let people know, okay, look, I'm going to walk the streets and I'm going to listen to your problems and we're going to take to the, I'm telling you what, man, this guy's amazing because a lot of those people, they were within hand's reach. They could have just jumped him or whatever. He only had like a couple bodyguards. But the thing is, our mayor was like, okay, we need to, we need to do something. And he came down to Skid Row. He came down to some, some areas to try to like get, you know, to talk to some people and, you know, it doesn't take one man to move a mountain. The thing is, you know, the mayor just, he's just him, but he tries to at least get information from the people to do good. And, you know, what? I, I, I was really impressed because Los Angeles, Los Angeles has some people who have been in offices and, 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 and who have been in their high rises or whatever, but they're paying attention to the tone of the streets. And they're getting off their high horse, and then they're getting out of their offices, and they're going, "Okay, you're all right, man. Just chill. Well, I'm going to come down, and we're going to we're, we're all going to be a family." Well, and, and that's we what people want to see too. You know, someone of action. Every anyone who can say whatever from the high exactly. horse, the high tower, but somebody who's on the streets—that's what people want to see. Exactly. In you harm's know what? way. And it's it's, a, it's it's really beautiful to see this this really. It's almost like our version of a hip hop Woodstock. It seems like everybody now we're turning into the the new beatniks, the new the new flower children mm -hmm. of this decade because they if you remember the sixties, yeah, there was like anarchy back then, and you know you had these people they had the little communes and all we are saying it give you a piece of chance and people were just like hey you know what you know I'm gonna make songs about it I mean it was a consciousness right now this consciousness. It, it, you know, it's something that needs to, you know, it, it, we need to push the envelope. That's why I'm taking this interview because I'm at the point in my life 
were, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we we, we passed the eighties. We passed the nineties. Now you know we're in in a, in a, in another in another realm. And children and kids, they're looking at us, the adults, the mothers, the fathers of their generation, and they look at us like we're like imbeciles, like we're stupid. They look at the debates and right for a child. For a child. He's like, this is the best you guys have to offer? At, really? Uh, <laughs> it's like, really? Exactly. Look at the arguing. Hillary is a woman. Donald is a man. And this is what they have to look forward to, to representing the country and, 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 and to leading a world that they're going to grow up in. The thing is, I think a lot of the crime and a lot of just people just doing things that are just insane are because people have lost hope. For me, to be able to do an interview now and to reach, to bridge the gap between adults, grandparents, parents, and young kids and college students, I feel that they need solid food in this sense. They need to understand that no matter what's going on in the world, they are the ones that can make their own change in their own world. We all have be the change you want to see lifestyle. in the world, like Gandhi said. Be, wonderful set. Be the change that you want. Yeah. Be the change instead of looking at answers and looking for someone else to change you. Yeah. Be the change. See, it's like reprogramming. Absolutely. And, and then that's the only way. Very good choice Why of words. Why would you complain about? Why would you complain about something if you're not doing something about it? Right. <laughs> so instead of complaining about it, be the change. And so for me, in my little world, which is a global world, hip hop has taken a it has taken a change. Hip hop, our hip hop is we dance, we respect other people's cultures, we home music, we we learn and and use our resources, fellow man, and we move forward. And, and, and color lines, color has no bearing. That's my hip hop. You know, it's not second. It's not to one race. It is a united hip hop. It's always been consistent with the breaking and the, the electric boogaloo movies. And now I'm looking into hopefully letting letting many people know the thing about the movies and Turbo is that Turbo now is an ambassador of the arts, meaning I'm looking to, uh, I'm looking, you know, to garner uh, certain people, sponsors and stuff, so I can go out to schools and, and, and use my life to help inspire and edit and motivate people to empower themselves to be the change they want like we were I, i've even that. heard i've even you heard know, you to, referred to, to actually, as the father of dubstep which i can totally see because all those moves that's straight og turbo right there well what's crazy this is insane and you know i i have to keep re-interjecting this because there's a lot of people who were famous back in the day and old school heads but i do want to say from the bottom of my heart I respect the new generation, you know, for being connoisseurs and archives of history and showing respect to the living because a lot of our a lot of our, our a lot of our celebrities are passing away, man. We mm -hmm. lost Prince, we lost Michael Jackson, we're losing a lot of people. And the thing is, 
for me, we I don't know what tomorrow is, but today, I, I can only I can only put my energy into today and, and show respect to the ones that earn it and, and, and bridge gaps. Well, here's the deal. With my art form in the world of dance, I'm very flattered, very honored to work with this new group of people who are on a dance movement. The children from the Step It Up movies, the YouTube people, all the people doing the cool tricks on So You Think It Can Dance and America's Got Talent and whatnot. The thing is, it's really nice to see the the group like the Jabberwockies, the guys yeah. that wear the mask, and Miles Brown. Miles Brown, who was a former student of mine on the, the hit show uh, Blackish, his name was Baby Boogaloo, mm-hmm. but now he's like a superstar. For me, when 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 I see how many Asians, Asian children, and other nationalities I've influenced and I keep influencing, it just blows me away. I mean, the thing is, I did a I did a. Um, I, I, I took a transition into actually going to colleges and schools and speaking to children. And last year, that statement came up. Somebody, after they heard that I was behind the influences of Usher and the Jabberwockers, they said, well, my goodness, Turbo's like the, he is definitely the father of dubstep dance. Dubstep is it dubstep is a terminology for a new music. It's like right. electronic music for those people that don't know. It's like you know, dubstep is like the happening wah bah 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 so to be called the father of dubstep dance, that was flattering. And I asked a couple of people, why would they say that? And what happened was, for those who don't know, after the film Breaking, I was pioneering the special effects industry and in trying to get the special effects industry to hire dancers who knew movements who could cut special effects costs and be in suits or maybe put on like a mocam and, you know, like be behind the scenes on the green screen and do really cool movements for, for characters. Well, I did the movements for Bart Simpson for do the Bartman. I also played the cat in opposite to track, with MC Paul Abdul, cat. which she won a Grammy for. Exactly. So that was green screen before CGI. So, and then and then I played the robot Bill in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey yeah, with yeah, Keanu yeah. Reeves. And then my ultimate my ultimate thing was the the, the Urkel bot <laughs> with uh for yeah. Steve for Steve Urkel. So the thing is for awesome. me by me by me pioneering those credits, at least it's archived what I was trying to do. I was trying to get the average guy who knew how to pop lock and break dance and, you know, do what is to be utilized in the industry to take them from the streets to the stage. So, so I, I, I really, I really am honored to have that title as the father of dubstep dance. 
because lately, you know, recently in recent years, I've done guest spots on Steve Harvey, and uh, I've been to certain events with some of the current dancers who have paid homage to me as giving them the foundation for them to grow. And this dance style is growing. I mean, the step it up movies were then, but now we, you know, we still have like great artists coming out doing wild spots on commercials and, you know, uh, uh, YouTube and whatnot. And I'm, I, I, I'm very honored that, 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 uh, people are realizing who the man behind the broom was, you know. <laughs> well, I thank you for taking the time, seriously, because you have you have made such an indelible mark on this thing we know as dance and hip-hop. It's good that you take this time to come to maybe not the hugest show in the world, but to maybe educate this audience and hopefully reverberate the other audience that, you know, like I said, you were a pioneer. You weren't just, uh, you know, you didn't just pop up overnight. You've been at this for a long time and have influenced a lot of what we know as the yeah. hip-hop generation. Yeah, I... I um. I think one of my one of my one of my coolest worded awards was the one that I got from Miami. I'm gonna read Go it to it. you because my eyesight's kind of bad. I got an award from Miami. Miami had like an international breakdance contest. It said, "In honor of Boogaloo Shrimp, Michael Chambers, Boogaloo Shrimp, which is my Screen Actors Guild name, for your contribution." To the pro am and hip hop culture, for real. That's like yeah. I mean, my contribution to hip hop culture that surpasses one right. step or, or a, a song. Even. Yeah, that's kind of like yeah. huge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the thing is, hopefully, hopefully, someday, somehow, you know, I will become the 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 Michael Jordan or the uh, Charles Barkley of uh, of of hip hop dance where I'm where I'm I'm able to do commentaries on the trends or the the, the next sure. thing that's coming. You ever see like ex boxers and people who are who are not playing on the courts but they're still associated yeah, no, with absolutely. the game? My 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 whole thing is I want to be that 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 NBA commentary of dance where People know me as okay. You know what? I'm the uh, you know I, I'm the guy that was. The you should holler at one of the so you think you can dance. You know, one I, of those judges, they got like three or four on that. You'd be perfect for something like that. Well, you know what? I think it takes a community to to raise a child. Meaning, the thing is, I'm still an artist, and like every artist, unless you have other people raising awareness of you. Sometimes you know you need you get by with a little help of your friends, so that's another reason. I mean, I'm 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 being very humble these days. An artist like me, I rely you know on the business savvy and the 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 techno savvy people who know the ins and outs of public mm -hmm. relations to to merge with me and to help me get to my next plateau. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting around whatsoever waiting on a handout, but when I make mergers and when I seek doing new business ventures, my whole thing is to edify, inspire, and to continue the journey I've been on as an artist, period. With that being technology and everything else and the resources I'm seeking. So if somebody has those within their reach, I'm more than willing well, to you know listen. Be, obviously, I'm really not your manager, your <laughs> creative director, but I had on um, Tymok, the guy who played uh, Bruce Leroy in The Last Dragon, very similar, indelible yeah. mark on the industry. Oh. He's... 
you know, came on my show to promote his book, which has taken him pretty much all over the world. Something to maybe look into, write a book, and then go on a nice little book tour, which will also, you know, create uh, more of a more of a buzz. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I've 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 heard that from a few people, and it, th- this is very interesting. Uh, a few months ago, I was honored with a lifetime achievement award from McDonald's. The McDonald's franchise um, has a a, a uh, entity. It's a dance entity called. Uh, it's a division of McDonald's. McDonald's sponsors the B- McDonald's B-Boy Royale. It's a breakdance contest, and it's an international breakdance contest. So, out of all the contestants and the people that come to see it, they were raising money for the Ronald McDonald House. So we we did extensive pro, you know promotion campaign, and we raised like $10,000 through charity uh, sponsors uh, for the Ronald McDonald House. But at the end of the, 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 the venture, for me, I was like, wow, you know what? I really want people to realize that I am not just like making appearances in conjunction with just the movie, that I'm open to do guest speaking and help do charities and hosting and, and help motivate, you know? So I, I, I want that... I. I want that word out there for people that if they need to, if they want to know about bookings or, or want to get a hold well, of me and something or whatever, else I noticed I'm in the old show prep, I mean, you're obviously a jack of many trades and something you branched out to outside of just the dancing was acting and you, you produced and created, or you made a James Brown movie where you played James Brown. You want to speak about that a little bit? Wow, dude, Jeffrey, you're good, dude, you're killing me. I love it. What was that about? I mean, I saw, I saw some stuff on a little IMBD clip, but like, what's... How, what 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 occurred with that? What prompted that? That's such a huge role to take on. Thing is, yeah, that they can look up. I got sold. It was a historical film that's on. Um, you can look up uh, Xavier Ramirez on Facebook, and uh, it has information on the film. And if anybody wants to help to maybe uh, get it, you know, a little further, whether production or take it to the next level. They could send them an email, but that was a really fun historical part. I bet. Me. I mean, diving into that, I, I mean, I saw the clip. You said you got the mannerisms down, you know, the song playlist down. Like, you, you went deep into it. Well, for me, I think anybody that takes a serious acting role, you got to really do your research to pull it off. If you're fake, guess what? You really right. suck. <laughs> so, yeah, I did my research as an actor. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, bro. Well, I mean, anything you're up to now, man, anything you want to plug, any social networking, Twitter, anything like that so we can follow you? you? Know, yeah, yeah, mo- mo- most definitely. What I do want to plug is just I want people to stay tuned. Since I've been I've been a musician and a singer for quite some time, so I'm recording and getting ready to put out some music you know, for the people that, that love that genre and my, my stylization, I want people to know. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, booking more events at colleges and in person for guest speaking, as well as teaching at master classes for people who, who want to know popping or the, the, the art of robotic dubstep dance. Where can we find you got a Twitter? Uh, I know you got a Twitter handle. Or where's Actually, the best you place know to what? find you? Uh, I do have a, I, 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 no, you know what? The my the best place to find me is my this is a serious email, Boogaloo Shrimp two thousand and one at yahoo.com. <laughs> because no, it's very true because there's so many there's been so many knockoffs and so many people bootlegging my name. I don't have an internet lawyer yet, but the thing is, me and my team, whatever, even while I'm busy, I have people looking over all my stuff. So somebody needs to contact me if it's work related. They can hit me up at Boogaloo Shrimp 
2001 at yahoo.com and give me your inquiry and and state everything and we'll get back very to you. cool man i can't tell you michael it's been awesome talking to you bro and again i mean thank you so much for not just like you said it's not just about one song one move your full-on contribution man this is a bucket list interview for me um again man thank you so very much and continued success bro and feel free to come back anytime to promote anything you got going on brother thank you so much jeffrey uh and you, you have a wonderful afternoon uh, thank your listeners and you guys have a absolutely day. this has been michael boogaloo shrimp chambers aka turbo blessing us this afternoon with a cool conversation thank you again my friend everyone else stay tuned to it's me speaking to you there will be more